Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. Because I am a writer. I don't know if I told that to you yet about myself, but um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so this is it. We're doing it. I'm here with Leslie Headland is here. <laughs> uh, I'm thrilled to have her. This is the weirdest blind date ever. It is. It's really, it's, no, I actually have had a weirder one. Really? I, I, I definitely have. I definitely had. I had a blind date um, with a guy that I was <laughs> set up with by friends. And this is what I was living in LA probably in like 2005. And Audition was playing at the New Beverly. And all I did was go to the New Beverly. That was all I did mm-hmm. with my time. Um, ever I didn't do anything else I just went to the new I could walk there from my house so I just go there so I said you know let's go to the new Beverly I'll meet you there you know I had not seen audition I did not know what it was about I just knew that I always love movies there so I was just like well we'll just go we'll go see this movie it happens to be playing there we go see audition and if you haven't seen audition it's like (laughs) I mean how do you describe it I mean it's like it's just one of the most terrifying films ever made and but not for the reasons people think but not for the reasons people think and and you know we get to the third act and i won't spoil anything if you haven't seen it and and literally i'm dry heaving like that's that's how intense it is i'm just like (laughs) this poor guy next to me and so we leave and we stand outside in silence for probably like two or three minutes and finally i go i don't know what else to say so i just go i don't think i'm ever going to date anyone again (laughs) and god bless him he was like me neither and i was like all right, I'll ne- bye. You know, yeah, like enough. didn't exchange any information. <laughs> like just didn't. Like it was just, it was over. So it can't be worse than that. This 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 podcast. I don't think we'll see what happens in the third act. <laughs> Listen, we just sit or, we sit down. We talk about writing. We talk about what you like to write and read and watch on TV and stuff. Bye. <laughs> um. So who are you? Why don't we know each other? It's ridiculous. Why don't we know each other? Uh, I don't know. How how did we? Oh oh, John. Yeah. Was who set us up. Yeah. yeah I, I saw we had, we had John Ross Bowie uh, is, in common. But are you, yeah. are you a performer or, or are you uh, a No, writer? Just, just writer. Just really? Well, I, and director, I guess, mm-hmm. now as well. Um, but uh, maybe what? it's because I don't live here. I live in, in New York oh, primarily, yeah. I mean, I lived in L.A. for a long time, but I've lived in New York for like the last two years. Oh, really? So yeah. you're really just out here to make your pilot? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're shooting it here? We're actually shooting in New York. What are you doing here? Casting. Casting. Uh, <laughs> sure. There are no actors in New York. Yeah, there are the no actors. No, no. There are actors in New York, but I think ultimately if we got greenlit uh, to series, we would probably shoot here is, mm-hmm. is the idea. So getting the series regulars to be L.A. actors is sure. just makes more sense. Absolutely. You know, as opposed to, you know, plus everybody's here, you know, like it's easier than. Oh, of course. You know. No, I don't know why anyone would shoot somewhere else. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Or hire writers anywhere else. We know how to do it. Exactly. I mean, it's like you guys have figured it out. It's Hershey, Pennsylvania. Like, we know how to make chocolate. (laughs) You know? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But so tell me about your background as a writer. uh, Assistance is your pilot. Yes. That is uh, being, that's, you're you're in pre-production on. Yes, I am. Uh, And it's based on a play that you wrote? It's based on a play that I wrote by the uh, same name assistance mm-hmm. a-n-c-e and uh 
<laughs> that pun is important. That's really important, guys. Because <laughs> you, know, you know where subtlety, subtlety just thrives is network television. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, I wrote that. I yeah. think I wrote it in, I want to say, I wrote the play in like 2007. Okay. And was it on? following? It feels like, reading the pilot, it feels like it came out of years of being an assistant. It did, yes. Uh, and yeah. like you had... Is this character you? Did you have a passion for movies? And Well, yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, you know, I think it's funny. Like, you do have, like, doppelgangers, I guess, when you're writing your protagonist. Or at least sure. I do. I, I definitely do, you know. like, But I, I don't know if Nora, who's the protagonist of the pilot as well as the play, is totally me. But the situation that she's in is very much the situation mm-hmm. that I was in, which is that I worked as an assistant. I, I worked... At Miramax and the Weinstein Company for <laughs> an insane <laughs> amount of time. Like I, I, I started working when I was still in college. I was an, an intern during the sort of the Amelie mm-hmm. era. Sure. <laughs> That's all I really remember was like putting Amelie, you know, screeners into <laughs> into padded envelopes and sending them off. That was sort of my oh first my thing there. And then it was like receptionist and then assistant to the co-president of production for two years, one year in New York, one year in L.A. And then they started the Weinstein Company. I went back and I worked for uh, EVP of um, business and legal and then worked for the uh, chief operating officer for like a year and a half. And then I worked for Harvey for a year and a half. So that was like, I mean, that's basically seven years altogether of being an assistant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're sort of like, why? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I can understand how how you would stay. I mean, yes, yeah, I, I, and I assume the events of the script are, uh, you know, exaggerated. But... Oh, for sure, yeah. No, I mean, it's definitely not a, um, uh, you know, a Ramana Clef right. in any way. And I think, you no, know, the it's, ba- it's clearly a comedy. Yeah, the main difference is like, you know, between this and like a Devil Wears Prada, I think, is that like, you know, in Devil or, or any sort of assistant lit, you know, mm-hmm. is sort of like. My boss is so mean, you know, like it's like, you know, it's just I'm so put upon, you know, and there's a little, you know, obviously there's some of that. Mm-hmm. But I think Nora really wants to be there. Mm-hmm. And that and that was my experience, too. I really wanted to be there. Like I, I wanted to learn and I wanted to succeed in that business. It's just that I think I was sort of my personal story, which I don't think is Nora's story, but my personal story was that it was like, oh, I'm I'm doing the wrong thing in the business. Like mm-hmm. I should I should be a writer. Well that that was gonna be my question. Yeah. I mean you stick with a company like that for so long and yeah. which is a smart move for someone who wants to be in the industry. Did you know what you wanted to be? No, I mean You just knew you liked movies. I knew I loved movies. I just loved movies, man. Like it's so sure. sad. It's so <laughs> No, it's so it's only sad, sad now because movies are terrible. <laughs> TV is great. Movies are terrible. TV is fucking amazing. Yeah, we'll get into that because TV is really, and uh, the way. Well, movies used to be good. They used to be good. They used to be good. When did they stop being good? Was it like. Uh, like 2000. It was like. <laughs> it really was, wasn't it? It yeah. was like there was that great renaissance in the mid 90s and then culminating in 99. Yep. And then what happened? Like. Exactly. You know, <laughs> Now you get maybe one a year. You get maybe one a year. That you're and the like, Pixar oh. movies are good. And the, and the that's really it. That's a, to Pixar is single handedly <laughs> attempting to save the medium of film, and right. and uh, it's a lot of it's a lot to have on their shoulders. Um, like, but all right, know. wait. So let's step it back. Uh, so were you a movie nerd growing up? Um, and where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in Maryland, uh, yeah. in um, a suburb of D- essentially a suburb of DC um, called University Park, which is so named because it's right mm-hmm. next to the University of Maryland. And um, 
I lived there for most of my childhood and then most of my adolescence. And uh, and I think the movie geekdom began because um, I was raised very religiously. I was raised Catholic. And so pop culture was something that was considered to be hmm. really not okay. You know, like I did not watch television. I did not watch a single episode of 90210. I didn't see – no, I really didn't. I didn't see the Goonies. Formative for so many writers. Formative for so many writers. Um, I didn't see the Goonies until I was like 27. I was dating some guy so and he was I – mean, yeah, I was dating some guy and he was like, oh, man, the Goonies is on. And I was like, the what? And he was like, do you worship Satan? Like, who are you? Like, how could you not know what the Goonies is? And I mean, literally, like I remember I was at – you know, when uh, Comedy Central would rerun those um, Saturday Night Live mm-hmm. uh, um, episodes from, from you know, the 90s or the, you know, whatever, yep. they would be on right after school and I would watch them with my friends. And I remember I was with a group of friends and Nirvana's playing and I go, Dave Grohl was in a band before the Foo Fighters? Like, that is how oh. out of it I was. Like, I was really <laughs> so sheltered. And so, but what the the, the plus side was that I all of my recreational viewing activities were old movies like old, like Hitchcock and um, Howard Hawks and Marx Brothers movies and um, and a little bit of Disney and stuff like that too like when I was a kid but like lots of Woody Allen weirdly like and yeah. then like bizarre movies that you should not see when you're young like Doctor Strange Love and Bridge on the River Kwai and um, uh, Reds was like a huge movie for us at home. Like we would watch Reds like every month, like every week. It was like, you know, and and we would quote it all the time. My parents would all, we would all quote it together. That is the weirdest movie. It's like the weirdest movie. Like, you know, I would, because especially when I hit adolescence and I'd be like, I don't care. My dad would be like, you care. You know, I'd be like, I don't care. You know, he's like, you care. You know, it's like quoting Reds with your dad, like. That sets up so many daddy issues that, like, I can't even. It's not even worth going and into political issues and political. <laughs> and you know, obviously, some political issues. But you know, Annie Hall, when you're like, you know, nine or ten years old, you oh, know, wow. like, and it's you know, you're just like, oh wow, you know, like, you know. Um, you and were so, your were your parents into these, and they would just oh show yeah, them to I think they just so I think they showed it to us because they wanted to watch them. Sure. Like you know, I think they were just sort of like, well, we're going to watch this, and mm-hmm. you know, you guys can watch it if you want. But there was. You know, there was no TV. There was no, like, I mean, maybe the Cosby show we were, we watched every once in a while. But, like, that was, you know, so it was really, like, you know, MGM musicals and, you know, like, like a lot of stuff. So, so then I started to get really geeky about that stuff. You know, like, then it became, you know, these are the sections in the, in the movie, you know, in the video store that we're allowed to be in. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I would watch everything, you know, so of course I would just go there and I just get, you know, every, you know, um, you know, every movie that was in that section and just wear it out and, and watch it. I'm, it was a big repeat viewer as well. I don't know why I was that way, but I, you know, a, a movie would finish and I would just start it again. I feel know? like a lot of us were like that yeah. in our teenage years, though. Yeah. You know, like yeah. We, we had that capacity. <laughs> For some reason. I still do it like, now. It's sad. Do you, you know? really? I really do. I wish yeah. I could. No, I do. It's weird. Like, I, I mean, even even movies I don't like, I'll do that again. Like, like. I remember I just saw the informant for the first time, which I mean, it's I guess it's we can talk about Zitterberg later, but like I, I, you know, it, it ends and I'm just like it's over and like the music's playing or something and I'm like, I just I guess I'll watch that again, you know, like it's just like you know, it's really sad. I got nothing on the TV. I just like yeah, yeah, yeah but it. it's true though. I don't I don't have TV and I don't have DVR and and so I don't I don't really watch that much television. I usually watch it, you know, in a. Um, you know, in a with the exception of a couple shows, but usually I just do like the Hulu thing of just watching a whole sure. season that's available, or I watch, you know, and then I'll just catch up. You know, I'll just catch up. So I, I'm not completely out of it, but but. It's <laughs> but that's funny. So so you would watch and rewatch this stuff uh, as a youth, and yeah, it, yeah. It be, this became 
uh, an obsession? A little bit. Yeah. No, <laughs> it sounds a like bit. you were one of those kids who, like you say, like found found this, your section in the video <laughs> store, but then you obsessively make your way through it. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, like, I remember doing that, too. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it wasn't really, like, cool stuff. No. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, well, I guess that stuff is cool now. Like, now that I'm older, I'm like, yeah, it's really cool that I right. watched that when I was a little kid. But, <laughs> you know, at the time, you know, especially when I went to college, I went to NYU, and, um, you know, especially then, you know, it's like, you know, it's really embarrassing to be like, I've never seen Ed- Edward Scissorhands when you're like 20 years old, you know, Absolutely. like, and then watching it and then sobbing, you know, the way that you would if you were an eight year old, <laughs> you know, it's just like sobbing uncontrollably, like while stoned out of your mind, like just, oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And everyone's like, yeah, but we did that. We had that experience 15 years ago, you know, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, That's hilarious. <laughs> so you didn't have the cultural touchstones, but you no. did with like your grandparents, with my grandparents, my grandparents, <laughs> and I were, we, we were so on the same page, you know, like we were together, we, you know, we had lots Lots of stuff to talk about. But me and my peers, I just always felt really, I always felt really isolated. And I think that's where the writing came from because Mm -hmm. then it became, because then it started to become, because I didn't have a lot of friends and I didn't have a lot of stuff to talk about with them. Um, It was almost like I would fill, I would fill these composition books full of writing, but not really like a script or anything like that. I mean, or or even journaling. It was Mm -hmm. more like I would write essentially like allegories for the people that I was interacting with, like, you know, like I would be like, this could happen in our relationship of being friends. Like, (laughs) like we, we, maybe we could become best friends and then this whole thing would happen. And so, you know, it's like a lot of fantasy. You were writing fan fiction. I was writing fan (laughs) fiction. That's amazing. I was writing fan fiction of my life. You know, like it's like, you know, and of course boys, of course, you know, like, oh, and then, you know, we'd make out and then all this stuff, you know, like, but I just, you know, didn't really. So I had that sort of inwardy kind of Mm -hmm. thing as a kid, like right off the bat. And, um, Oh, Nichols in May, too. That was another thing sure. that was really on a lot at our house, um, you know. And so, so it was a, and it was a heavy comedy bent. It seems yes, like. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Besides yeah. reds, right? Besides like besides the reds and the and the bridge on the river. Quiet. Right. I still won't forgive my dad for that that bridge on the river. I was sobbing. During oh, the must movie. have messed you I up. I was sobbing during the movie. I was like, Dad, please, I don't want to watch this. He was like, Sit down. It's a classic. It's a classic. You know. And I was like. You know, I was like, I really don't want to watch it. It's really upsetting. It's inside a box. Like, you know, it's like, you know, it's just it such a such a mind fuck. But, you know, but anyway, this is getting really deep and weird. It's too late. We're it's already late. in it. We're already in it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's good nobody else is here. I'd be just embarrassing myself. Yeah, we would have jumped right into this immediately, too. Well, let's talk about your fucked up relationship with your dad. Let's talk about your childhood, Evelyn. Let's... You watch Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> um, so, so was the idea? I mean, you didn't realize that you wanted to be a writer, but you were writing. Yeah, I was always writing, okay. and then I started directing when I was in uh, high school, and then college. Really mm-hmm. started to focus on it. I went to NYU, not really thinking I would ever go into the arts. I just sort of had a, you know, as a for lack of a better term, a, a drama geek, and um, and 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 had a lot of credits in there. So my guidance counselor suggested that I audition for Tish, and then if I, you know, because to me, like writing seemed like a very unstable lifestyle, and and so I thought, you know, as much as I like it, I don't know if I can actually make it my mm-hmm. career. You know, like I'm, I, I think I would be a little concerned about, um, you know. Living the life of an artist, I guess, mm-hmm. is the best way to put it. So, so it's very practical for for like an eighteen year old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for for an eighteen year old who's writing out fantasy, fantasy fiction. It was like, well, I mean, well, because the, the the thing and is, you grew up on MGM and, and the, the thing you have to remember too is that I'm a huge overachiever. So so I, there was always okay. this concern, being the oldest of four, like this concern of like, you know, not you know, 
making my way in the world somehow, you know, and, um, and, uh, we were very, um, you know, we were very poor growing up. So there, so there was always that sort of feeling of like, we're always in debt and we're not going to, you know, like, so it was, it was, that was sort of the idea. But then when I, once I got to NYU, I, I was so, I fell so in love with the directing actually. And so the writing actually ended up becoming a way to direct Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Like once I graduated, I got sort of, you know, somebody approached me about doing Virginia Woolf, like one of the, you know, many unemployed actors I had graduated with, you know, (laughs) let's get a black box and let's do Virginia Woolf. And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't think of anything worse than a bunch of 22 year olds (laughs) doing Virginia Woolf. You know what I mean? Like, I cannot. Oh, I can't think of anything better. I guess. You would have been the only person in the audience. Oh, my God. You would have been the only person my, in the audience. My favorite – I hate the theater. I will say this. Oh, good, uh, It is the good, worst. Good, good, good. Um, and I have a hit monthly play. So yeah. it's coming from me. <laughs> um, the best theater experience I ever saw was a bunch of teenagers putting on Les Mis. Mm, uh, the that sounds freshmen amazing. were all playing whores. Come yeah, on. That's so that's incredible. Great. Of course. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing better than, like, yeah, a toothless 13-year-old whore just crying about how her life didn't turn out the way she oh, thought it was going it was to. Best. That sounds amazing, actually. Um, this was at a high school, I'm assuming. It was. Yeah. It was. Uh, and it, yeah, it was like an early date with my now wife. <laughs> that was a like, date? She was like, come out and see this, because she was working with uh, teenagers at the time. She was like, come out and see these What kids. does she do? She's, she works with kids? or She used to, yeah. yeah she okay. was working yeah. with a nonprofit. But oh, anyway. got it, got it, got it. Um, so so did you direct this uh, Virginia Woolf? No, what I said was I was like why don't I just write Virginia Woolf for 22-year-olds? Oh you know God, what I mean? Great. Like you know yeah. like I was like let's ju- just do the same thing. Yeah. I know the thing that you guys are looking to do. Like yeah, so what I'll do is I'll just write that. And the thing that was amazing about directing your own work in like sort of a black boxy area is that you realize what a terrible writer you are. You know like like you're just like wow, none of this works. Like you know like I oh, think so fine. many writers when they first start out, you know, you're, you, it, that that wh- blank white page is so intimidating and it's so awful. And my way around that was to just write plays that then had to be, you know, like we had like a deadline essentially. Mm-hmm. Like we had bought the theater for that weekend or whatever. And so I had to finish the play by the time we were going to go <laughs> up, hopefully. <laughs> but usually before we started rehearsals, hopefully. Sure. And then um, – and then essentially workshop it. And so I think a lot of writers don't get the chance to see their work actually performed for a really long time. Where I, whereas I sort of came up in this place of seeing it performed on a regular basis and realizing what was wrong with it and going like, oh, my God, like this is not three-act structure. You know what I mean? Like this is going nowhere. There's no conflict here. There's no catalyst for the – you know, like and all of those things that you – um, you know, you, you can definitely learn from reading a book, but like I got to, or, or taking a class, mm-hmm. but like I got to learn it by like literally falling on my face over mm-hmm. and over and over again. I mean, that's invaluable. And yeah. this, is, this actually comes up quite a bit on in these conversations that like, you're not writing novels. You're writing no. things that are to be performed. Yes. So get them on their feet. You yeah. Know, that stuff can't just live on your hard drive. Oh God, no, no. And there's nothing. There's nothing uh, that I. I mean, I think the number one thing that I suggest to like, well, young playwrights specifically, like like in a class I was teaching last year, and you know, like I just say like like get it up as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Not don't do a reading. Like literally yeah. get it up. Like get you know whatever you can do, whether it's going with like a small theater company or putting your own money into it. Just like get it up and see an audience and watch it for four weeks. Absolutely. And then you'll know whether or not you've written a good play. Like mm-hmm. you know, like because even readings they, they can be helpful, but like they're not. 
you know, it's, I don't know, the trial by fire was really great. Absolutely. It was really great. And there's something about getting it in front of an audience, too. I mean, yes. Not, oh, I mean, man. Obviously for comedy, but really for anything. Oh, you um, need to yeah. see that reaction. That play, actually, which was a play that's called uh, Cinephilia, which is about loving movies. <laughs> sure. <laughs> has a lot of sex in it, too. Um, sex and movies. The, the tagline for it was, Loving movies is easy. Loving people is hard. Oh, boy. Yikes. Yikes. Amazing. It was amazing, though. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, and here I am. I'm like 23 or something, and we did it in Bushwick, like in a warehouse. We didn't awesome. even do it in a theater. Like, you know, it's like, and I'll never forget the first time it was performed. I thought I had written this very, in, you know, intense, in-depth, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, I thought I had, you know, I was the voice of a generation, kind of, you know, like. And literally, like, within the first, like, few lines, it was just, like, raucous laughter. You know, and I just oh was mortified. I was mortified. I was just like, oh, my God, they're laughing at my beautiful play. Like, I can't. And they laughed through the whole thing. And I could not tell. It wasn't until it was over that the actors were like, that went great. You know what I mean? Like, And I was wow. like, but I, I, I was so embarrassed. I was just like, oh, my God. I had unintentionally written a comedy. <laughs> and uh, apparently a very good one. You know, like, but I, <laughs> you know, I did not mean to in any way i thought i was writing uh you know something you know something so much more you know right. deep quote yeah. unquote deep than that i guess but that's insane but, so what did that do to you did you embrace oh, it or did it knock you on your ass it knocked me on my ass for a little bit but i definitely did embrace it eventually i continued to workshop that play for a while and and uh eventually sort of embraced what it what it was mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and um and uh but yeah, I was I I, I it was very it, even now when I was I was doing the doing my film uh uh we were working on the script or we were talking about the script with an actress and she was like you know I feel like this scene could use more jokes and I was like yeah yeah, yeah I agree I agree and you know I went home that night to look at it and I was like I actually don't know how to write jokes <laughs> like you know what I mean like, I was like I was like I really only know how to write these people mm-hmm. who end up being funny for some reason that I can't quite put my finger on why they're they're funny and then and then there are writers that that's what they do like they literally mm-hmm. like you know a lot of the people that i work with now like they're just they're just joke 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 and i'm like wow wow you guys that's amazing like absolutely you know uh, you, you're right or um it's a whole different skill set oh and god it's, I, I was mean, watching cheers before i was right when i was writing the mm-hmm. pilot you know like and i was just going through i was like okay what's the greatest <laughs> TV, one of the greatest TV shows ever. And I was like, all right, Cheers. I should watch some Cheers. Again, growing up, had never seen it. You know, like, so I'm just That's sitting insane. there watching it. And I'm like, oh, man, Headland, like, why are you thinking about it so much? These jokes are fucking great. You know, like, don't think about it so much. Mm-hmm. Just write the joke, you know, like, hit the joke. And I I don't know. I'm still struggling with that. So well, I mean, we'll the see. great thing about a show like Cheers and, and a lot of shows, especially of that time, is they were both character-based jokes and jokey jokes. Yes, yes, you know? yes, I mean, yes. They, they came from both places at the same time, which mm-hmm. was amazing. I mean, Cheers more than maybe Mash also had. Oh, that. Mash too. That was. I, I also watched that. That uh, I also mm-hmm. watched a lot of Mash too because we talked about the pilot being sort of uh, not quite this, but but um, I'm doing it with Gary Sa- Gary Sanchez, Adam mm-hmm. McCain, Will Ferrell's company, and um, in addition to Adam and Will, uh, you know, it was developed by um, Jessica Albaum and Owen Burke over there, and. We always said it's like mash in an office. It's mash in an office. Like something terrible happens. You know, like it's like somebody's head gets blown off and it's like you can't read. And that's this. I think the difference between some assistant lit and this is that like, you know, it's not, oh, my God, what a terrible thing that just happened. It's like a bunch of characters that are completely desensitized to it. And they're Mm -hmm. like, right. okay, so somebody's head just got blown off. We still got to get in the car. We still got to, you know, it's like, where's the thing? Where's the stuff? You know, like, you know, um, 
or, uh, you know, we also talked about it being not quite a parody of an Aaron Sorkin show, but like a, maybe like a like a dirty homage like mm-hmm. of like, you know, like that sort of fast talking, but like there's nothing important going on. There's no mm-hmm. ethical dilemma, you know, like yes. the biggest thing that has to happen that day is like a cut of a movie has to get somewhere, you well, know, like. But, but it's important to the characters. <laughs> but it's very which, important to them. Yeah. yeah it's like, it, you know, they're, 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 the stakes for them are right. huge, you know, like that's, that's, that's huge stakes for them. But, you know, um, and I think it's hard to like sort of describe to people that that's where the comedy comes from. Mm-hmm. Like that the comedy comes from the fact that the characters care more about this thing you know, um, then then the audience does, but the audience will care about the character. Like right. they they won't care about the cut of the movie, and they won't no. care about his dog being walked, but they will care about how she feels about it, and right. and and how she's going to deal with it. And they and that's know. the meat of the episodes too. Which yes, I mean that's that's a comedy I love. It's this huge thing is happening, but we're going to have our stupid relationship conversation yeah. over here, <laughs> and we have to get this other thing done here. <laughs> like that's I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at at 22, uh, were you then on the playwriting and play directing track? I didn't really. It really wasn't until I left the assistant world that I started doing it in earnest. You know, like I, I had been doing it on the side for a while, like basically just pouring all of my weekly paychecks into back into theater mm-hmm. that nobody saw. You know, um, but I would spend all my weekends and all my nights um, working on these things with people. And again, it wasn't. It really wasn't out of a. Uh, an ambitious thing. It was that was sort of my, I guess, free time. Like that was what I did. Like mm-hmm. it was like you know I, I would sort of go to work all day long and and feel a little bit, um, you know, sometimes fulfilled and then sometimes just sort of like I don't know where this is going. Like I think any job, you mm-hmm. know, like you know I'm not sure why I'm still here or why I'm doing this. And then I would go home. I I would go uh, to Brooklyn and and work on plays with people for free and. Um, so when I left the assistant world, which was in 2007, when I was 26, about to turn 27, I, um, that was when I decided to pursue writing full time. I was like, I think I have to basically make this the most important thing in my life. And I have to get like some day jobs that or night jobs is what I ended mm-hmm. up, you know, like so that I can write, uh, I can spend more time per week writing than working. Wow, you know, and so I lived on a couch for a long time, and I didn't have a car for a long time, and it sucked. But I wrote a lot of stuff. I wrote um, five plays in that time. Wow! In about two or three years, the first draft of five plays. And did you put them all up? We did. We put up uh, Cinephilia. We put up Bachelorette. We put up Assistance. We put up uh, uh, this play called Surfer Girl. Um, that's sort of like a one-woman monologue. Um, sort of like Neil Beauty or uh, mm-hmm. Adam Rappy kind of thing, um, and then a play called Reverb, um, and we put all of them up like right across the street from here, like oh, at, at that, that little at theater? that little theater at the no, Working Stage. Yeah, that's where we, and that was all between 2007 to 2009, to you know maybe end of 2009, beginning of 2010, um, and they were all part of this series. This is what I did for myself: was I made it a series, you know, being brought up religiously. I I did a series called the Seven Deadly Plays, mm-hmm. and each one had sort of, um, you know, it was about the sin, but like it's not a morality play. It was like a little bit more like this is sort of what you know, like assistance, for example. The play is greed, and and it's like what does greed look like? Not in the realm of like the people that we're already finger pointing at, mm-hmm. but like, you know, in Bachelorette was gluttony and it was like not not people who are overweight but like these girls that are really skinny and gross and you know constantly consuming and like that's all they do and like so on the outside you don't really necessarily think of them as gluttonous but their whole life is being driven by what they can consume and acquire and get you Mm -hmm. know like and so it was like those were like the little like sort of 
you know, all of that. And then, um, and then I finally got a job. We're going through my whole life. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> I'll stop you when it gets boring. We think it's, I, I, you'd say, yeah, please do. But I, but then I finally got a job. I got a job writing as a staff writer on a show called Terriers that, that didn't. Oh, uh, great show. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah Tim amazing Minear was show. Uh, on, on this really? a week ago. Yeah. Oh my God. Tim Minear is a god. <laughs> He's a god, man. Like he is like he is a writing power animal. Like yeah. that guy, I learned so much from Tim Minear. Like, I would imagine. I just, I mean, it, well, it's interesting. Holy shit. Uh, and, and we'll talk about that in a sec. I mean, you you worked on these five plays, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and using the the sins as kind of themat- thematic jumping off points. Yes, yeah. Uh, and so you were you were in many ways teaching yourself how to write. Exactly. Yeah, that was exactly how I thought of it too. I never thought they would be done professionally. Mm-hmm. I never thought of them as even when my manager approached me and said you should turn Bachelorette into a screenplay, which we event- I eventually did, and then it eventually became a film that I directed. Like mm-hmm. when he approached me about it, I was like. I don't. I think that's a terrible idea. Like you know, I was like, I was like, we're sort of. Why? Well, I was sort of like. I mean, we're sort of done with that, right? Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, I couldn't have been more wrong. I was so glad that he stayed on me. He really bothered me about it for months. Like every time he would call me, he'd be like, "So how's Bachelorette going?" I was like, "Oh, were you serious about that? Like, do you actually want me to write a screenplay of that?" He was like, "Yes, you oh should absolutely God. write a screenplay of that." And um, but what's funny is that yeah, that's that it was exactly that was how. It, you know, I was teaching myself to write. That was exactly what I what I thought I was doing. I mm-hmm. I didn't really have a lot of ambitions for them becoming other things. Sure, like, they were you know, exercises. For they me. were exercises for yeah. me. You know, and also exercises in direction because mm-hmm. I directed most of them. You know, so it was like, you know, for me it was like a big science project. It was like, can I write and can I direct? You know, like, and you know, I had a bunch of kids. This uh, the theater company is called the I Am a Theater Company. They have a play up at Working Stage right now. Like, I'm still working with them. Um, uh, with with uh, still working with them writing plays for them and and um but yeah like you know i just didn't i i just thought of it as an exercise you know that's so for sure so then you get this job on terriers yes i got the job on and terriers which like did blew you have my mind. any idea what you were doing absolutely not <laughs> no i remember i took the bus to get to fox which oh from God. where i was living was a long time i think worley who too who was also a staff writer i think he took the bus to get there too you know, and I remember, I remember coming in and sitting down, and it was like Ted Griffin and Sean Ryan and and Tim Minear and Marnie Hodgman, yeah. and and I was just like, "Don't fuck this up, Heather." You know what I mean? Like, like my head was like, "Do not fuck this up, do not do it." You know what I mean? Like, it was like you need a fucking job. You know, like it was like you don't have a car. You know, like I, I'm actually sort of shocked. I don't know why I got. I still to this day don't know why I got that job. What did they? Did they read one of the plays? What did, do you know? They, what they did read my you? yeah. My sample for them actually was Bachelorette the play, even though a screenplay existed for it. Mm-hmm. They might have sent them both, but I remember I remember Ted referencing the play in the room. So Which, I was, it's not uncommon. I mean, yeah. especially around that time oh, is t- when people started looking at plays yeah. and stories. And oh, was that like was that. was it not common before? Oh no. Oh wow. No, just oh, a few so years I would just lucked out. Yeah. <laughs> wow, fuck, man. That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, holy shit. And it really is. It's like the Robert Evans quote, like, you know, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Like, it's it really is. Like, it's not dumb luck. It's uh, it's like, yeah, you know, here I am. I've got five plays. I'm sitting around. But, like, how would I know that? Like, I had no idea. Right. And even now, I didn't realize that. Like, 
my TV agent at the time said, like, don't worry about it. Like, we, we can send them plays. They like plays. Like, they're into plays. And right. I was like, I don't feel like that's true. <laughs> you know, I was like, well, I those, think... that's a room full of smart people, too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Those are, those are for real. Well, that's writers. what I realized afterward. Like, when I got the job, I was like, oh, it's like a bunch of geniuses. Yeah. So it's like, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's actually okay. You know, like, you're not going in and meeting with people that are sort of, um, you know, riding the wave or something. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they all wanted to make a really good show that nobody had made before. And you, you know what I mean? Like, it was not, um, you know, uh, you know how do we how do we you know sort of pander to the lowest con? I mean even Landgraf you know like at at FX like I mean that guy's a that guy is like I, I guess I should overuse the word genius and all that kind but of stuff he, but like, I mean, he really is he's I mean, really smart he's though he's a creative executive he's a really creative guy I couldn't believe it like like to have that be your first network note session and that's the other thing oh, too sorry. is that Sean was really into the staff writers being super involved on every episode that they did. And actually, when I was interviewing showrunners for assistance, like, I was saying the same thing. I was like, I want all the, you know, I was like, I want to do the same thing. I want to make sure all the staff writers are really involved with their episodes, that they're on the notes calls, that they're, you know, in the production offices, like, you know, going through that whole thing, you know, because that was so invaluable to me. Like, like, you know, I, my first network notes call, you know, I didn't say anything. I was just like, you know, and there was like, and Leslie's on the call too, John, you know, and I was like, hi, John. It was like, you know, just like sucking terribly, you know, like, but, um, for him to be the first, you know, I mean, like you're just, it's like losing your virginity to like Javier Bardem or something, you know, like it's like after that, you're like, wow, nobody's Landgraf, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like just nobody's, you know, and that's not to say, I mean, like, you know, I have to say the NBC notes process has been actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, just considering that when I was going into it, you know, a lot of other writers were like, oh, network TV, you know, you're going to get fucking raped, you know, like, and I was like, okay, you know, like, I was like, I'm bracing myself, you know, like, and it actually was pretty baneless. Like, you know, like there was a lot of stuff that, that you knew you were going to get as a note, you know, mm-hmm. and you just had to sort of think of creative ways of, of dealing with it. Can, but what, Landgraf would actually, of those? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, uh, one of the things that they really wanted to, um, um, make sure that the pilot had was that it had, that was that, uh, Nora had, um, uh, was in a, they wanted Nora to be in sort of a long-term relationship with with a boyfriend, and that um, what would sort of kick off the 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 story in the pilot. But then, you know, ultimately, if we if we get greenlit the the first season, is that she gets proposed to in the mm-hmm. pilot, so that you sort of come back and you go, okay, well, what is she going to do about this? Which is not a bad note. I mean, you know, like it's like, well, that makes sense. I mean, you do want to know, you know, if if the sort of question of the series is like, um, sort of a Mary Tyler Moore-ish question of mm-hmm. like, you know, a working woman in this industry and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That does make sense. The problem, the struggle for the writer is that you go, okay, how do I make that feel organic and real right. without feeling like somebody just gave me the note to do that? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and that's, that's the, that's the difficulty because I don't know anything about being proposed to. <laughs> it's never happened. That's, um, right, that's right, ladies. <laughs> Never has happened to me. I also don't. I I also don't really identify with that struggle as a woman. Like I don't. I haven't had a lot of situations where I've gone like work home. What do I do? You know what I mean. Like you know. So you know what I mean. Like so I had to sort of get in really get into the head of, 
And that's, I guess, what I'm saying, too, about the, the protagonist of Nora not really being me, because, like, that, that, that struggle for her is not a struggle that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm a little bit more like the Daniel character that's like, this is my life, and I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, and I love it. <laughs> and, you know, if there's other things that come in through the cracks, that's great. You know, like, and I would, I would love that, but I'm going to, from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to sleep, be working on this. And, and, um, and that's why I love Harvey. That's why, I, you know, like, that's why the the both the play and the uh, and the pilot are not hopefully not you know um uh disrespectful to him because because i, that, I love that about him mm-hmm. i love that that's all he does like he just works all the time and i was like oh my god i want to do that someday you know i was like i was like someday i'm gonna be a workaholic too and it's gonna be so much fun you know like like that's creepy though for like network television nobody wants to see that no <laughs> nobody wants that to see like not a, be relatable for yeah, nbc like, viewers for anybody you know what i mean like i think nbc viewers would be like she has a problem she needs to go to the fucking you know therapy you know so so when you get that note, you know, you know that they're right. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know, you, you know that they sure. they have a really good point. And, and so you just want to do it in a way that it hasn't been done before, you mm-hmm. know, like and um, and you want to make sure that the characters, you know, are sort of behaving and like. They don't have to necessarily be real. I, I don't think that I don't I almost never come from a place of realism. Like, would people really do that? You know what I mean? Like, I never I'm always like, I mean, I, I love um one of the things that I did pour over when I was a little kid was, uh, or not a little kid, but like, you know, um, sentient, but not mm-hmm. quite as- adolescent yet, was, um, lo- um, you know, a Charles Schultz Peanuts cartoons, mm-hmm. and not the specials, but like the actual books of, of, of the collections, and, you know, they're really existential and dark, and <laughs> but then there's like all of this ridiculous stuff going on, you know, like, and so I do think of my characters as Peanuts characters, I don't think of, I think of them as little kids sort of stuck you know, trying to do these impossible things and have these impossible feelings. And so I don't really come from a place of like, you know, well, you know, would these girls all really be friends with each other? Like, you know what I mean? Like when I get that note for the film, I'm like, oh God, do we have to describe, do we have to explain that? Like, you know, it's like. And those are the worst bits of dialogue, the worst scenes. I mean, they stick out. And there's a big difference between would this really happen and is this justified in the script? Right. That's a very good point. Justified in the script is a lot easier for a writer to wrap his head around. That's so true. That's so true. It's like, do we need this? I always say the perfect movie is Back to the Future because you're never given a piece of information you don't need. Mm -hmm. Never. There's no moment. Like, even comedic bits are completely and utterly interlocked into the the plot line. Like, you know, you're never going like, you know oh, this is like a cute bit of improv or like this is a storyline to make you feel something about the character. I mean, it's all there, you know, like and it's and so I try to come that that's where I get, you know, frustrated with notes. It's not that I don't think they're good. Do you know what I mean? Like or I don't understand where they're coming from. It's that I'm like, how do I give that information? Mm -hmm. This is the challenge, right? Like, how do I give that information without creating a scene you don't need to explain it? Do you know what I mean? Like that's tough. Absolutely. And that, but that's your job. Will Gluck, yeah. who, who I uh, worked on something with, um, this uh, remake of About Last Night for Screen Gems. He, I would always complain to him about stuff like that. You know, I'd be like, "Oh, you know, like how am I supposed to take this now?" Blah blah blah. It, you know, he would just sort of look me straight in the eye and go, "It's your job, Edlin. This is your mm. job." Like I hate to break this to you, but like <laughs> if this is what you want to do, like this is your, this is what they're paying you to figure out. You know, yeah. like, and I think that that was really helpful for me. Because then I didn't, and that and Mynir was like that too. You never saw Mynir. Uh, he would never reject a note, yeah. and he would never complain about one. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like he might go like, "Okay, mm, so we're gonna like." He might make like a sarcastic joke about it, like mm-hmm. you know, like of like, "So we're gonna do a blah blah the blah blah right. the blah," you know, like. 
But that was something like... You can like, make fun of the text of the note. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Making fun of the text of the note or or how it's a little counterintuitive to something else we had right. spent weeks building or something like that. You know, like... But but him and Gluck, like, you know, I, I they never complained. Like, mm-hmm. they never... You would never see them go, like, what a bunch of fucking asshole. You know, like, they don't know what's happened. You know what I mean? Like, and they're living in mansions somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, because they are doing their job well. You know, yeah. it's not that they're... Um, watering down what they do. I think no. that's a that's a thing with writers who I think haven't quite been produced yet or reached the point where they're getting notes on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. That it's like that's your job, man. Like I don't know what to say. Like they're, and, you're never gonna not get them. They're paying right. you to do that. Like literally, there's your <laughs> the way you're paid as a writer is broken down by turning in a draft, getting notes, and then doing <laughs> another one. Like you're yeah. never gonna turn in one, and then they're just gonna pay you out because it was great. You know, like the whole thing is built around notes. It's yeah. built around it. And I think the thing that's just frustrating is that when something fails. You know, or doesn't quite hit it right. You know, you they the, the the execs and the producers never get blamed for noting it too much. You know what I mean? You never you never read a review that says, "Well, it seems like Sony gave a little too many notes here." You know what I mean? Like, and then somebody loses their job. You know, it's like it's like no, Leslie Headland sucks. You know what right. I mean? Like, you know, she's she's a fucking crap writer. You know, like, I mean, and the and the failure. I mean, the the putting it in terms of. Your job is to figure out. Yeah, you know, the figuring out is is the key, right? Yeah. I mean, the failure in these scripts is it's not a bad note; it's a failure to figure out how to work with that note. Yeah, and you also you can fight them. I mean, sure. for sure, of course. I mean, if there's something that you feel like is you know, and I've I've I, but I would say in the I haven't written that many scripts on on assignment, but um, you know, every once in a while you can you you can. You can, I mean, especially if it's something that you're just like, this goes against like the whole concept of mm-hmm. the movie. You know what I mean? Like you can sort of either ignore it or, 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 you know, figure out some way of the note behind the note, like people say, like, you know, whatever that is. But, um, but that happens rarely. I mean, mm-hmm. usually it's like we don't understand this piece of information or right. we don't understand why this thing's happening or like we just need to know blah, 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 you know, like about it. Like you just, you know, and you go, okay, well, I guess that's important. Like, I guess it is important to know that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's always my feeling that if it's brought up, it's, it bears investigation at least. I think so. But I do think, you know, but the, the, the flip side of the argument is like, you know, maybe the reason there hasn't been a good movie since 2000. <laughs> which we can all agree on. Which we've all obviously unanimously agreed on. Everyone on the internet. Everyone agrees. on the internet agrees with us now. <laughs> I can imagine the, the comment thread. What about E2 Mama Tambien? You know, like a, like I'd be a, lucky to get comments. Yeah, okay, good. All right, yeah, yeah. So, but but maybe, you know, I mean, the rise of the exec and the mm-hmm. rise of the note process, I think, is, you know, and, and, and you know, there aren't quite as many auteur, mm-hmm. you know, sort of cowboy guys out there anymore. Like, you know, well, like... Especially in features. It's gotten, oh, yeah. It's gotten so convoluted. And yeah. There are so many layers, and there's so TV, much TV, I think, money. is different, and there's mm-hmm. so much money at, at stake, and... But you look at it now, yeah, you look at it now and you you look at the guys now and, and even even the auteurs that we wait for a film from every year or whatever are the same people from the mid-90s. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's Tarantino. I don't, I don't know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Tarantino, yeah. It's like Tarantino, P.T. Anderson, you know, David O. Russell, Wes Anderson, Aronofsky. Like, these are all guys that were, they made their first film before 99. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so, and they did the whole limited release thing. So, like, you know, when they come out in limited release... Everyone's like, it made so much money, you know, and you're like, well, yeah, they've been around for like 10 years, guys. Like, of course they did. You know, like, you know, it's like, 
It's more like when Magic Mike, you know, breaks box office records that you go, wow, that's weird. (laughs) Something's going on with women. You know, I think women are really, isn't it weird? It's so weird. That and like Fifty Shades of Grey, you're like, is everyone okay? Do you know what I mean? Like, is everyone all right? Like, what's happening? It seems like they're ready to go. And they're super into girls and they're like, you know, like they're just into it. Like women everywhere are just like, please. (laughs) <laughs> well, is is it is it like these tough guy movies that came out in the seventies? I mean, is it oh, the, um, is it the equivalent of I don't know your your Rocky and your Mean Streets and you know? Oh God! Well, I think that's a very positive way of looking at it. Why the fuck not? Yeah, sure. Let's say it is. Let's say it is. Why? You know, actually, when I was doing press for Bachelorette and I was getting a lot of like, so bridesmaids thoughts, you know, like I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I mean, isn't it sort of? You know, Bridesmaids, you know, you could, okay, yeah, Bridesmaids is not Bonnie and Clyde. You know what I mean? Like, but, <laughs> but, you know, you could say that as a woman, as a female writer who specifically was interested in writing R-rated female comedies, that it was sort of a Bonnie and Clyde for somebody like me because it was like, then all of a sudden, everybody was like, oh, fuck, get me a female writer right. who writes R-rated comedy. You know what I mean? Like, again, luck, uh, you know, you know, opportunity, meeting pre- preparation because... For so long, nobody wanted, you know, my spec was out for years before anybody, and it wasn't until Bridesmaids opened and made money that everyone was like, okay. Right. I mean, we were in pre-production for Bachelorette at that point, but, you know, like we had already been greenlit and we were already cast, Mm -hmm. but the process of making that movie... I mean, they let me do whatever I want. I was going to ask, did it make things easier they for made me, you? Yeah, I could do whatever that's I amazing. want. I mean, like that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's terrible <laughs> to say because it makes it sound like they weren't involved, but they were. I mean, like you know, I got notes from the financiers. I got notes from right. Gary and Sanchez. You know, um, but if I had made, it's it's so funny. If I had made that movie in two thousand five, two thousand six, it would have been made for like a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. If I had made that movie with that cast in 1997, Mike DeLuca might have given me like $15 million to do it. If I had a penis, but I don't. So I don't know for sure whether or not, whether or not he would have done that. But, you know, it's like, that's the thing. It's like these weird climates and you're, you're either, you can't sort of plan around them. I don't, I don't think, no. I don't think. I no, mean, it's a, it's a fluke. You, you yeah. don't know what it, what's going to be the bridesmaids that makes your life easier. That makes your you life easier. Yeah. That you just go, oh, thank God yeah. somebody did it. You know, like, you know. Um, you don't know when something's going to click at the network and they say, let's make Breaking Bad. Right. You know? Oh, my God. Right. Oh, There's God. No what a show. Tell. What um, a show. Let's go back to uh, Terriers for a minute. Oh, God. Let's so talk about Terriers for the rest you, of the time. Well, here. we've had Sean on. We've had Tim You've on. You've had Sean? And, oh, come on. And Tim? That guy's great. Oh, my um, God. I'm so... But we never talked about Terriers. But you didn't talk about. Oh, of course not. Yeah, because they have enough to talk They have so much, so many other things to talk about. I will tell. I will talk about Terriers forever. That was like the best job I've ever had. Why? End of End of story. It was just great. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, it was my network. first job, sure. so that was part of it. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh my god, I'm getting paid to write. Holy shit! You know, like, but it was just super. It was just wonderful. I mean, like, I can't. I know I, I have the biggest smile on my face. I I don't know. Like, I mean, I remember reading it and thinking, and again, just being like a movie nerd person. You know, I was reading it. Well, first of all, they gave me this. I don't know if I, how how to, I don't even know how to describe my love for terriers. It's really hard. Hold on, like I'm so obsessed with it. It's like, and I feel like I'm allowed to be obsessed with it because it wasn't really my show. Do you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like like I'm allowed Absolutely. to like I'm allowed to sort of like I can't be obsessed with my own work because it's crap. You know like right. but it's like I can, because it wasn't my show. And it I, was a great show. And it was just so great. Yeah. I they sent me the script and 
you know, my TV agent in like the nicest way possible was like, you really need a job. <laughs> like you have to book this, <laughs> you know, like they're interested in you. You have to book this, you know? And I was like, okay, okay. And I read it and, and, and Donal Logue was a, a, attached to it and I love him. So good. Oh my God. Oh, Dow Steve done that was like a movie like swingers that like i rented with my girlfriends you know what i mean and we were like let's watch this movie and like him like just fucking a bunch of chicks i was like oh my god i love this guy (laughs) i was like he's amazing um and i read the script and i I didn't know ted i mean i obviously knew oceans 11 but i didn't know anything else about Mm -hmm. ted but i i read the script and i was like oh it's sort of you know, it's sort of like that 1970s movie. Like, like that's yeah. what we were talking about. Like, it was sort of like it has that the feel, long absolutely. goodbye or um, yeah. Harper or like, you know, um, and then obviously like Butch. And I loved that Britt Pollock's name was Britt Pollock because it sounded, I was like, did he do that? Because it was like Brick Pollock from Cat on a Hot Tin Root. You know what I mean? Like, it's stuff like that. Like, Ted's that kind of writer where you're mm-hmm. like, what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, that's referencing something. What is that? You know, like, it's like for like a movie nerd like me, it was like, Oh God, you know, like it was like, like devouring the script. I was like, this is all hidden meanings that right. mean something, you know, and I'm sure treasure I just, map for and you. he was just like, I'm sure like whatever, you know, it's like, you know, but, um, you know, so I was reading way too into it and then, um, but I loved it. I but loved that, it. And that's great. I mean, you can be honestly enthusiastic oh, when you go to meet so these guys. I was so excited. Yeah. And I went and I just tried not to be weird. I was just like, don't be weird. Edlin. How'd that don't go? Be weird. Oh God, not well. I mean, look at me. It was not Okay. <laughs> But I made them laugh, and I thought that was okay. And I told them a couple of Harvey stories, you know what I mean? Like, and and I did pitch some things, you know, which oh, you did. I, I did pitch a couple things, you know, especially having to do with the the lady characters, mm-hmm. um, in the sense oh, that who were also so good, also so good, oh. right? I mean, like you know, like for example, um, you know, I really pitched, uh, you know, dirtying Katie up in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because I was like, you know, I just I just feel like she's got to do something wrong. Like, e- even if it's not her fault, like she's just got to do she's got to do it, 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 she's got to be taken down from a notch of mm-hmm. you can't grow up. You can't grow up. It's like she needs to do something that's right. like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not now I'm not good enough for you. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's not about you proving yourself to me. But if you continue to prove yourself to me and I know I'm not good enough for you, you know what I mean? Like, there we go. That's like, you know, and you re- brought this up in the initial meeting. I don't know if I brought it up then or if I brought it up or early in the early on in the room. in the writers' room. That's I don't. I probably amazing. wouldn't have been that out of out of the gate in the yeah. in the initial meeting. But even for you know a staff writer to come in and make this, it's it's a bold and really smart suggestion. Oh, yeah, but obviously. they the, but they were all about that. That's you know, great. like they were just like pitch, 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 pitch. Like there's no hierarchy here. Like, like come That's in amazing. and do this. Like, like you know, like you know, so so. You know, I'm not I'm not responsible for that storyline, but mm-hmm. but it was like you know I, my voice was heard. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, sure. and and you and had a place in the conversation. I had a place in that conversation. We yeah. all were encouraged to do right. that. You know, we were all. No one, you know, laughed at you and said that was a bad idea. You know what I mean? No one said. No one looked at you like, why are you talking? You know what I mean? Like Tim would really look at us like, what's your idea? Do you know what I mean? Like, and That's we'd be amazing. like, well, um, <laughs> you know, I remember one day, one day I pitched something, <laughs> and Ted was like. That's just the plot to sneakers. <laughs> so and it's like, proven that it works. But it's good. <laughs> that's great. He was like, that's, you know, but Tim would do that too. He'd be like, you just pitched something from, you know, like, because you, would, you wouldn't realize, you know, like we were working so much, like you wouldn't realize that you had just pitched something from, 
you know, some great show or right. something, you know, but, um, <laughs> That's really funny. you know, but Breaking Bad was talked about a lot in the writer's room too. Like of just like, oh my God, you know, like, and the shield too. I mean, mm-hmm. like the shield is fucking great, man. Like that show's fucking fantastic. Fucking fantastic shit. Amazing act breaks on that show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're just like, what? Like, that's a show that's like really a product of the time of like commercial breaks still happening. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you, 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 his act breaks, you just be like, holy crap. Like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. like, and then it would be like, come on, get the commercial <laughs> over. I mean, is he going to get mouth raped? Like, what's happening? You know, like, and then it would come back on. And you'd be like, yeah, thank God, thank God, thank God. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and, and my ear was like that too. He was just act break, act break, not strong mm-hmm. enough, not strong enough, not strong enough, you know, like. And, and you can then, see that in his stuff across, oh God. across his That's, career. I'm and not Sean's joking. Like, you know, I'm not joking. It's like, I, I know it sounds like lip service or ass kissing, but no. when I write on assignment, I always, like when I'm stuck, I go, what would Tim do? What would Tim do? What would Tim do? What would Tim do? What would Tim tell me? Like, what would he, like he really is. He's like a, he's like a power animal in my ear. Like, I'm just like, what, what? Like if Tim was looking at me and smoking a cigarette, being angry, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, like what would I have to pitch to him? You know, like I just sort of use him as like, you know, this motivator of like you know like if i was sitting in front of tim what would tim make me you know what would he expect of me and it's like that's like it's like you you know it's like a general or something like you want to run into battle for him and you want to be good like you really want to that's a rare showrunner yeah no i mean he's like the oh man he's just the and sean too i mean sean is like you know i mean he's brilliant he's a genius like he you know and he just was so encouraging of us like like I said, he had us all on notes calls. He had us all yeah. in during the production week before shooting. We were all on set for the entire run of the, of the episode. We got to make decisions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was like that's fantastic. You know, you, you we we sent updates after and every shooting day, and this thing happened, and this thing happened, and this is what happened with this scene, and you know, so on wow. and so forth. And so you weren't just there to be there either. Oh no, like you were you and were actually working. You were actually working, and and the actors treated you like a. A, a, you know, a real writer. I yeah. hate to say that, but they, but, you know, Donald treated me that way and Michael Raymond James. Mm-hmm. Nobody treated me like a, a, a staff writer. They would say, Leslie, what does this mean? What is this part? You know what I mean? Like, and I'd be like, oh my God, I don't even know. Do you want to change? I'm, uh, you know, like, <laughs> this is so stupid. Oh, and then my director for the first episode that I wrote for Terry's was Ryan Johnson. Oh man, I'll never forget the first day. You know, he walks into the like Hilton or wherever it is that we're staying and I'm like, hi. <laughs> Had you clearly As, you'd like, seen Brick, right? Like, oh God, yeah, I'd seen Brick a thousand times. Yeah. Like I, I, I'd seen everything. Brick is one this. that I watch over and over, over and over again. I will never. I saw it in the theater. I, I'll never forget. You know, the day I saw Brick. Like you know, seeing Brick was like the day you see. And it, this is a, it's a better movie than this, in my opinion. But it's a similar feeling afterwards of of memento. Mm-hmm. Like I distinctly remember that day, like walking out that's of the funny. theater and being like, "What just happened to me?" You know, like <laughs> that's what things changed. Something's changed. Like something's different. Like, do I need to get another tattoo to like, you know, like <laughs> to commemorate this moment? Right. Like that's what Brick was like. You you left the I left the theater and I was like, uh, one something's changed, and two I have to tell everyone I've ever met about this movie, Absolutely. and they have to go see it, and and they're not going to get it, like and I they're do. not going to get it like I do, <laughs> and this guy's going to be huge, and and um. So he's, you know, I just, it was like Sandra Bernard in King of Comedy. You know, I was like, hi, I'm Ryan Johnson, my Leslie Hudlin. It's so great to meet you. Um, I'm the writer of this episode. Um, and I just, well, you do what you want. I really love you so much. You know, like, oh my God. He was like, oh my God. It's like, well, Ryan's the most unassuming. No, so gracious, like. so adorable. He was like, "Cool, are you eating? Do you want to eat together?" You know, and I was like, "Yes, I do." Ryan Johnson, That's and I, you know, from start to finish, just picked his brain, like any chance that I could. You know, like obviously wanted to stay. 
out of his way while he was working. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be like and annoying. this was his first TV too. But this was his first TV show, his first t- television episode, which you never would have noticed. I mean, wow. in any way. I mean, like literally, that was the number one thing that I took away from Ryan, meaning like was his energy on set. Hmm. You know, he just, nothing phased him. I have not been able to do that. I'm a mess. Um, I think it's because I'm a woman. <laughs> when directing, when you're a writer on set, like same messy oh, energy. Oh, man, disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. Just imagine who's sitting in front of you right now, and if I were your director, like, wouldn't you just be like, dear God, no, please, dear God, no. Well, I, well, I don't know what she wants. I don't know what she, what is she even saying? She just keeps talking, and I don't know what... <laughs> It's literally Kirsten. Kirsten in my movie was like one of the first days we were working together. She was like, she was like in, in a very nice way. She was not mean about it, but she was just like, Leslie, I, I got it. You know what I mean? Like, like you know, she was like, I, I got it after the first sentence. Like, you don't have to keep oh talking. You know? And I was like, Oh my god, I know. I talk too much. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, you're literally dealing with a crazy person. So, um, but he had such an incredible energy. Like you would never have known it was his first television episode. <laughs> You know, something would happen, you know, as it does on set, you know, something would go wrong or, or we'd be losing light or something, you know, like something and, and, you know, or somebody didn't want to say a line or something, you know, I don't know, you know, just like the classic, like, you right. know, set stuff. And I would look at Ryan, like, you know, like a scared little <laughs> rabbit, you know, like, just like, <laughs> you know, and, and Ryan Johnson would look at me and be like, you know, you can't see me, but, you know, just a very serene look on his face of like, it's going to be fine. You know, like it's, it's yeah. all going to be fine. It's going to get taken care of. And, um. You know, he's been lovely and supportive of me ever since, like, came to see my play when it went up in New York. And um, uh, I actually talked to him right after my film came out. And it was right after Looper came out because they came out, like, within a couple weeks of each other. And and um, and I was like, Ryan, I uh, am really depressed. <laughs> I was like, what is this normal? You know, like, and he was like, yeah, it's so normal. You know, like, you, hmm. you put so much work into something. And then it it's... Um, it's almost like if the day that the movie opens, the sky isn't purple, you feel like you failed. Like, it's not about, mm-hmm. like, the success of the movie or the success of the work. It's like, I just put everything into yeah. this, though. I like, have nothing left. And I have nothing left, and nothing's happening. Like, I mean, really, nothing could fulfill it. Like, I don't read reviews, so, mm-hmm. like, good reviews don't really do it. And no one's, you know, like, there was just sort of nothing. Like, it was just like, and I guess it made money. I don't know. I haven't really asked anybody. Like, I, I just was like... I just expected the world to like open up and 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 explode and for me to become like, you know, have a perfect body and be a completely different person and like, you know like you know I was like I was like is this normal Ryan? You know, is this normal? And he was like, yeah, he was like it's going to happen for every movie. It's just so you know, like yeah, he's he, like he's not the weirdo to ask yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, he was like that's going to happen after every movie and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to kill myself. Why are we even doing this? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, no, he's he's just I'm trying to think of any other stories that I had with him on set, but the, it was like that was it was just that he was mm. awesome. It, he was exactly the way that you would expect him to be and and funny. Oh yeah. You know, like and and really funny, like knew how to sort of, you know, make a joke and he knows how to. He directed our uh, stage show a couple months ago. Oh, and cool! He, uh, he not only knows how to make a joke, but knows how to help sell a joke, mm-hmm. which is like we've been doing the show eight years. Yeah. Our actors know their characters inside and out. Yeah, but he found stuff in there that none of us knew were there, which was amazing. That's the thing about him too. Like for as technically elegant as his mm-hmm. movies are, you can tell he's really an actor's director. Yeah. 
You know, like, like you know, like, I mean, because, like, from a guy whose dolly shots are funny. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, literally, like, you're just like, that's hysterical. Like, you know, I started laughing. I saw Looper with some people who are not film people. You know, so the whole time they're like, okay. You know, like, you know, like, they're sort of, like, you know, interested in it and they're liking it. But they're, you know, they're sort of trying to follow the plot and stuff. And I'm just, you know, oogling over every fucking frame. I'm, like, freaking the fuck out. And I keep, like, hitting the person next to me. I'm like, oh, my God, did you see that? That was all one take. That was all one take. Oh, my you know, and they were like, we're trying to like follow the story of this film, Leslie. You know, and it's like, but, but with the directors like that that I love, like I very rarely will follow the plot the first time around. Like really? I'm just, I'm so into the, the, the I'm so into That's the, funny. you know, I'm so into it. But uh, P.T. Anderson too, I'm like that with. Like I very rarely even get invested in the story the first time around. Well, it was like, very I'm, little story. Well, now there isn't. <laughs> I know. Can we talk about that? We'll get into it later. I'm not allowed to go on record. Oh, you're not allowed to? (laughs) Wait, am I not supposed to? (laughs) Oh, wait, why are you you It's your career. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will talk shit about Soderbergh, (laughs) but that's it. (laughs) Definitely going to do that. Um, But this, it makes me think of, uh, you know, a thing that a lot of writers don't think about, which is, again, this fact that you're writing for an actor you're writing these words to be said yeah um you know and as much as you can count occasionally count on a director to work with an actor and bring out what needs to be there it needs to be there on the page too oh yeah and i feel like that's something terriers did well i mean i feel like it's something your your pilot script does well oh thank you you know there's there's life in these characters yeah there's something about you know there's something about ted's writing that's so um the thing that i love about ted is that this is just one part of it like there's there's so many other things going on too but like i think the thing that really attracted me to the script and like continually i'm interested in um for my own writing now is the way that he does do this little sort of like you know ben hectian like george s kaufman like this back and forth kind of thing mm-hmm. but then ted sort of like fucks it up like right at the end do you know what i mean like it's like he'll it'll be like boom 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 and then it's like this one line that's like ow like like it's like i just gotten into it's a little pointier the the rhythm of it and now you're just shit now there's like a real moment and then it's like and then we're out of there and Mm -hmm. then it's cut you know and then you're you're on to the next scene and um that's something i've well, one, when you're trying, you're writing on a show that he created, you're trying to like, you're trying to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but, but even as I moved on, it's like, don't make your buttons too buttony yeah. and too cute. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like actually like, you know, you know, like, uh, like even in the pilot, you know, there's that part where she, you know, they're doing quotes back to each other, her and Seth. And then at the end, she's like, you know, I just, you know, don't bring Swayze into this. I just want to make good movies, you know, that she just starts crying. You know what I mean? Like that all of a sudden there's just this explosion of like <laughs> feminine, like angst, <laughs> just this explosion of it. And like, there's no response to it. You know, like, it's just like, and then I think like Daniel comes in or something, but mm-hmm. you know, I try, you know, that's something that's really sort of unique to him that I've been trying to, hmm. uh, stealthily steal, I guess is the best well, way to I put mean, it. <laughs> you know, good writing is good writing. Yeah. And yeah. If you can bring humanity to those characters, that's a human moment. After and that's what I think exchange. I'm trying to get at. Yeah, yeah. Is that his characters don't talk like right. characters. They right. do talk like people. And he, he takes just enough finesse and, and he has enough style that it feels like you're watching a movie or mm-hmm. it feels like on Terriers, it feels like you're watching a scene and then something happens and you're like, Oh fuck, but it's real. I forgot. Like, you know, like, um, well, it's that same thing of people wouldn't talk that way. But we don't want them to talk that way. We don't want them to talk that way. Dear fucking God, no. Like, 
We don't want we that. We want them to be more clever and yeah. prettier and, and, know, and better. But and, also human. But also human. And there's there's something about them that we that we can relate to mm-hmm. because otherwise we're not going to keep watching um, because they'll just seem like aliens. But um, but yeah, I think uh, I think that is really hard about. I'm also I gotta say like I'm a writer that's like change it. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm I'm not everybody works that way. I, I do. I, I and I was very relieved when I saw uh, Woody Allen's document the documentary that came out about mm-hmm. him like you know last year or whatever it was that where he yeah. you know when he was courting actors and sending them those typewritten letters. You know it's like if you don't like any of the lines you can change them. And this is coming from the greatest comedy writer of all time, like the the greatest joke writer of all time probably. Um, or at least the most famous one. And, um, you know, uh, that's crazy. Do you know what I mean? Like, but that's somebody that I think has enough confidence in himself and in his writing to know that one person changing something or one line that's sort of co-created or created by the actor Mm -hmm. is not going to make or break your scene, you know? And I, I personally feel that same way. I mean, I'm just like, I mean, I think it's one thing if somebody's sort of going like, I don't want to say, you know, like, blah, because I don't right. get it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, then maybe there's a conversation where you're like, well, I think, you know, it's this, that, and the other thing, you know, like, um, but a lot of times I'm like, God damn it, don't say it, say something else, you know? Like, right. one of my favorite lines in my movie is one that that Kirsten improv because the, the the joke I had written there, she was like, this isn't a, I don't like this joke. And I was like, me neither. Oh my God, I know. I was really tired when I wrote it. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, can, can you say something else? And then she said something else and I just died laughing. You know, thank God the monitor was in a different room because I was laughing out loud. I was just like, you know, like, I, I mean, and they have to play them. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's exactly. the thing. It's like, they that's have to actually do it, you know, like, and sometimes I see writers have like a real disdain for actors, like, you know, like these, these things that you need in order to hear your words kind of thing. And I'm like, dear well, it's, Lord, it's that mammoth school, right? Oh God, mammoth. It's yeah. just say the words as I write them. Yeah. Practical aesthetics, you know, mm. I know I went through that phase too, David mammoth. I just grew out of it. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I, hit 27 and I was like, forget it. Like, you know, like, as a control freak, I get the appeal. Oh, but for sure. The, for sure. There's no life in that. You know, it, it, well, you even watch a movie and I'm ugh, look, David Mamet already hates me. So whatever. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to try to like kiss up to him, but he already hates me. But House of Games, which I love. It's an incredible movie. I love that film Terrific. so much. It's a great movie. It's beautiful. It's wonderfully it, for a first film. It's fucking fantastic. Okay. Everybody sounds like David Mamet in that movie. Yeah. They all just sound like David does. Mamet. And like in that movie, well, when you have Joe Montana, it's okay. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like it's all right. But even Krause, who was goddamn fucking married to him at the time, you're like, are you okay? You sound <laughs> like like blink twice if you're all right. You know what I mean? Like you're just like, oh my god. You know, you can see her wanting to play beats. Mm-hmm. That she's not playing, like you know, and and that's that's what he wanted, and that's you know, and probably it's the reason the movie works so well, blah blah blah. Sure. You know, like it's just not, it's not how I, it would ever want to work. Right, and think. it's also not something a twenty-year-old writer can get away with. Oh dear God, no! It's, it's dear something God, David no. Mamet can get. Da- away David with. Mamet can even get away with that. Like, so I wrote this movie called this remake of About Last Night, which is based on sexual. The, the yeah. original is based on sexual perversity in Chicago. Although my, you know, this remake is very much based on. The movie. The, the movie, you oh, know, it's 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 not a, a, you know, it's um. Well, no, that's maybe that's not a, that true, but you know, it's aware of both. It's aware of both. That's exactly how I would put it. It's aware that the, the, that there's a play. It's aware that there's a movie, that's smart. and then it's its own thing. You know what I mean? Like it, it's own, its own thing. But we were doing um we uh, he, uh the 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 uh the director Steve Pink, who's a great director, showed me a couple um scenes from it. 
and uh, you know, really roughly cut together. Like literally, they had just quit. They had just finished, you know. And he was just like, "I just want you to see," because you didn't get to come on set because I'd been doing mm-hmm. something else in New York. And I was like, "Great!" And he starts showing me, and I go, "Why are they all saying the lines?" That's what <laughs> that was my first <laughs> response to him. And he was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, you know, and I was like, I don't know. They just all sound like me. That's weird. You know, like I was like, I hope you got some improv, you know, like, and, you know, like, and they were like, he was like, no, we got lots of improv. I was like, great. Put that in there. Like, don't, (laughs) you don't want a bunch of people sounding like me. Like, that's awful. That's hilarious. No one would willingly sit through that except, except this podcast, possibly. (laughs) There's some weirdo out there that wanted to sit through. (laughs) I told you I could talk a lot. It's happening. I know. Thank God those other guys didn't they, show up. I know. I told you. You were like, oh, I'm sorry. that As soon as you said that, you were like, some other people didn't come. I was like, good. Because I'm going to talk a lot. Finally. I can finally get it all out. I haven't been to therapy in like a month. This is what we're here this for. Is, this is what we're doing. But I hope that's like helpful. I mean, like what is, no, there, good stuff. is there? Did we cover terriers? Did we go through the whole thing? I think we got it. So so coming out of terror terriers. Um, oh, yeah. So you, you guys only had a season. We only had a season, which is fuck. And the way it ends, too. I'm not going to spoil it which if you haven't seen it. Perfect. Isn't it perfect? It's perfect. It's I like mean, a- this is what Sean Ryan does also. Like, the end of the shield. Perfect. perfect. It's so perfect. Um, it's so perfect. The end of the shield. But that terrier's ending. The fact that you know a second season would have been great, but yeah. it works as a finale. I know. Um, so you're coming out of this. What's next? So the next thing that happened was I I didn't even get to go to the terriers rap party because <laughs> because I had to immediately go to New York because they were putting a bachelor at the play at second stage, and so it was my first. Um, New York production of anything like it was my first professional prof- production this was coming off of working with a bunch of really brilliant guys and, and getting to learn a lot and working with uh, the other director I worked with was um, um, oh my god Adam Arkin oh wow I almost said Alan it's Adam um, and he was amazing too Ooh. I mean like actors directing very cool very cool like mm-hmm. you know like learned a lot there as well and then um, so yeah so we went and um uh, Trip Coleman was directing it. It had a bunch of great young actors in it. Um, Tracy Chimo played the lead in it. Um, really brilliant stage actress who's very, um, very successful. Very, uh, um, what's the word? Um, like eclectic. Always sort of dis- does different stuff. She played Kirsten Dunst, the role that Kirsten Dunst eventually played in the film. And um, we did that. And I was terrified. I had diarrhea like every day. Um, but I was also like, oh, my fucking God, I'm getting paid to do theater. It was like five, $4 a week, you know. But I was like, oh, my God. You know, like I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. I loved going to rehearsal every day. But How, how did that get set up? Um, through my theater agent. I mean, okay. it had been sent out for years. I mean, like nobody wanted to do it. Like everybody was like, what the fuck is this crap? You know, like it was about a bunch of girls doing cocaine. It was basically a female Hurley Burley. That was how I pitched it. Like I was like, it's a female Hurley Burley. It's a bunch of bitches doing uh, cocaine and, and um, talking about it and and talking about you know how they self entitled they are and then you know things sort of go badly and then um they're really mean to their fat friend and you know all this you know all this fucking crap anyway it goes up at second stage so yeah so so second stage just took just took a chance on it for some reason like chris bernie is the associate artistic director there and curates the uptown series which is a part of i think he and i are just sort of kindred spirits in the sense that we have like the same really dark sense of humor you know like like i think that especially once we met i was like oh we're really like very very similar and um and then we opened and we got a um a huge good review in the times like 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 I look, I, I do, again, I don't read reviews, but my mom called me the next morning and she said, you have to go pick up 
the times and I was like I I can't mom I can't I mean even if it's good I can't and she said you don't have to read it she was like just look at it and I was like okay and I I got the you know I I didn't buy one because I didn't want to actually read it but I I went to I went to a a newsstand and I flipped up to the art section and it was a whole half page you know front half page of the of the art section um with a color photo of two of the girls and I was just like whoa wow like it was like a Lillian Hellman moment, you know. It was like, you know, that was another movie I watched a lot when I was a little kid. Julia, like, I was just like, holy shit! Like, I mean, that was the closest to like. I was just like, holy fucking crap! I don't know how that happened, you know. Like, and my life changed. Like from from there on, it was like all of a sudden I was a real writer, hmm. uh, meaning not an empl- I was employable writer because of Terriers, mm-hmm. but it was like now I was like a my own thing mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Yeah, there's some, somehow you get legitimized to there the was outside. A, yeah, there was a legitimacy there. Even my parents who had not, they didn't, they didn't understand what Terriers was. They were like, <laughs> is it about dogs? Like, what's happening? Like, all the play stuff was like bullshit to them. You know, it's like, and then that Times article, they were like, we get it now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, you're a playwright. And I was like, and I love that you don't like theater because I don't either most of the time. And I used to say when we were doing plays, just around the corner, I would say, um, I write plays for people who hate plays. You know, like I would, I would just, I knew that I felt my audience and which is one of the reasons why I think even though that play was very well received by the times, it was very divisive everywhere else because I I don't read them, but I call somebody and I say, what's the weather like, you know, and they just go and it's always divided. It's always, it's always like some people hate it. Some people love it. Like that's, (laughs) it's like never, do you know what I mean? Like it's never, Somebody says it's the best thing they've ever seen. Somebody thinks you should fuck off and die. You know, like, it's like, it's it's never, like, lukewarm, you know, like, or just like, hey, that happened. You know, it's right. always just, it's just like. That's good, I guess? I guess it's good. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, like, no, I think it is, actually. Because if I think about, like, you know, the people that I love, like, you know, like, like Fincher. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, Fincher's, you know. I mean, I guess he's sort of reaching a place now where everyone sort of collectively agrees that he's great. You know what I mean? Like, but, like, you know, the game and Fight Club and Panic Room. Mm-hmm. Which are all incredible movies, in my opinion. Even Panic Room, I really, really love. But like, you know, you know, you you can feel everybody kind of, you know, mm-hmm. some people would love it, some people wouldn't. And Absolutely. I guess that's sort of the point. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why are we even doing any of this. You're not wrong. Um, before we wrap up, I didn't realize how much time we. I told you I can talk a lot. Jeez. I know. I know. We didn't even get to like but the fun, fun part. <laughs> um, I love that we just talked you... about terriers, though. That's really fun. <laughs> I love that show, man. There was there was a good hour before that. Oh, there was. Oh, yeah. okay. I've blacked out. I've blacked <laughs> exactly. out. That's what happens in here. Um, so, do, have you? Is is assistance coming at the end of a string of pilots for you? I feel like you're one of those people who gets a pilot deal every year. No, no, really? this is my first one. Get out of here. Yeah, no. I. How are wh- they not giving you an opportunity every year? Oh no. So, uh, just very quickly, the play goes yeah. up. The um, I get hooked up with the Gary Sanchez guys on another project that ends up. And that's not true. I did do a pilot with them that didn't end up going at HBO. So that mm-hmm. was that was the first pilot that I ever did that didn't go anywhere. HBO. And was it an original? You had pitched it. No, I was an ad. I was hired by Gary. Sanchez because it was an adaptation of Julie Klausner's book um, I Don't Care About Your Band which is a great book and she's very funny and fantastic and it just it sort of sucked that it didn't go forward but that's how I met Lizzie Lizzie was attached to star in it and executive produce it as that sort of fell apart we even went to Glangraph too we tried to get him to pick it up and Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't it just didn't fit into which I don't blame him it didn't really sort of fit into his thing that that whole uh, the vibe of that show Mm -hmm. Um, 
but that's when I started doing my my uh, movie. That was right after that was doing the movie there, and um, and um, and then assistance went up at Playwrights Horizons, and while it was up, um, I got a blind deal with um, Universal Television and Gary Sanchez, okay. and that's when. And I actually didn't pitch them assistance; they had seen it or read it, and they said you should turn this into a pilot. And I was like, really, like. All right, okay. I mean, again, you know, I was like, really? Like, it feels sort of done, right? It's over? You know, it's like, all right, okay, cool. Um, but very much like the the adaptation of Bachelor at the Play into a movie, as well as the assistant's play into a, uh, a pilot, it was like, how do I, um, you know, what, what TV series do, do, do these characters want to be in, as opposed to doing something that's like a very, you know, reverential, right. you know. So this is my first experience with it, and we're casting it now. And, and the cast is coming together great. Uh, Kristen right. Ritter is That's playing awesome. Nora, which is she's fantastic, so wonderful. Oh my god, I can't. She's one of those actresses that I've seen on stage a bunch of times mm-hmm. too. You know, like I mean, that's the thing. Like she's so underrated. Like she she does television, movies, and theater. That that's girl. Fantastic. Do you know what I mean? Like like she has a lot of range that she's not really given a lot of credit for. I think there are not a lot of those. Maybe here, because she's beautiful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I th- no, I honestly I think so. Right. Like I, I sometimes I feel like when I I have the I've had the the opportunity and the luck of in the last year and a half working with some really brilliant beautiful actresses and i think part of the reason they're sort of underutilized and why like i feel like they will flourish so much in my work is because they're pretty do you know what i mean like and they're sort of i mean lizzie kaplan's just fucking gorgeous you know what i mean like she's very funny too but it's like everyone goes like what do we do with you sure you know what i mean like we what do we what do we do with you and and i feel like it's sort of my goal to write for women like that and go like you know like i'm gonna give you a really meaty part that isn't relying on your beauty and doesn't deny it either you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it's just like it's just gonna it's gonna it's gonna fit you and what you do um so kristen ritter and then um who else has been announced? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Has the boss? Who's the no, boss? No, 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 no. Tony yeah. Danza? What if it was Tony Danza? Not available. Not available. <laughs> I, I actually think he's unavailable. <laughs> Wait, did you have a list? <laughs> we did. We did have a list of, you know what's interesting? I won't go who is who is on the list in case I get in trouble, but what I will say. We also edit this, by the way. But I also, I but, but, but honestly, it was interesting because I I thought, you know, TV had sort of taken, but there are a lot of feature actors that still won't. Yeah, they really are holding out for cable. Like they they don't want to do a network, and I don't really blame them. Honestly, it's like a really it's you a, could wind up doing twenty four episodes in a year. In a year, I mean, who wants to do that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like especially if you're a movie star, or if you're a, a huge big character actor, like that's a le- that's a legitimate like concern. You know what I mean? Like so, it's interesting. You know, like to it'll be it'll be interesting to see who it ends up being. Um I mean, it could just be, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, your instinct when I think you read that script is to definitely go like, oh, you power cast that mm-hmm. and you get somebody like super recognizable and mm-hmm. you pull like an Alec Baldwin and you do, you know, like blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't think you have to, like you no. could just have a really great actor, Absolutely. you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. so it could be either way. I mean, it feels like a great opportunity for a character actor who's yes. been in movies for years. That's, that's how I felt about it was that I was like, this is nice little, you know, like, um, like somebody, um, not that, not that the characters like this, but, but what Piven did on Entourage mm-hmm. where you know yeah, he where had, he came from yeah he had been around and he was yeah. John Cusack's friend and he you know like he was always in stuff and he always stole the scenes but then you know you put him in that show and you're like that's a star there you go yeah, done that's a good point you know nice. but I've taken up way too much of your time thank god uh, nobody else was here <laughs> <laughs> they're actually waiting right outside <laughs> <laughs>
just sad faces. Just looking um, at us like, when is she going to shut the? But it's been on? a good process for you overall, the the pilot making process. Yeah, I think it's because everyone said it was going to be so terrible, and do you know what I mean? Like that that, that I braced myself, and then I was like, oh, this is fine. Like you yeah. know, like I mean, making a movie independently in New York in twenty three days, like oh with with a bunch of really incredible famous actors that all have competing schedules like you know what i mean like like yeah i don't know like this is that's a logistical that's a logistical headache, and that's a real problem and that's a real <laughs> problem you know and so with this it's like i'm not directing it i'm mm. not going to i'm not going to be the showrunner mm. You oh, know, I was like, going to ask you about that too. So, yeah. did, did, did were you put with a showrunner? Did you find yourself a showrunner? How did? Well, happen? we're still we're still looking. I mean, I, we've been we've been meeting with people. I, I just I just know that I I don't I would my perfect world would be to set up the terriers hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like like but on a network yeah. television show sure. where you have you have a you're, minor you're the Griffin of it, and then I'm Griffin, <laughs> <laughs> and then. You know, you have your Sean Ryan, which I guess is like the Gary Sanchez guy. Is, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the Owen Burks and the and the um, uh, uh, Jessica Albaums of the mm-hmm. world. And and um, I mean, Owen Burks just like a genius. Like that guy is just like I say genius all the time, so it doesn't mean anything anymore. But um, but yeah, I would want to set up that same thing because right. I I don't think, especially being a, a playwright. I mean, yeah, I wrote on one tele- one amazing, great television show. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have any experience show running. I don't have any experience directing a pilot. These are not things that I'm interested in doing right now. You know what I mean? I would love love to direct a pilot of a, of a series that's not mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That would be great. Not my series. <laughs> there's, enough, there's enough thing to do. But it's been pretty good. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, I mean, it sort of goes back to, like, the notes thing we were talking about. It's like if you go in being like... Oh God! I hope they don't change anything. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's like oh, I you really, can't go in being really, precious. Yeah, I really hope everything stays really good. You know, like it's like you know, it's like I hope ever, I get to cast the person I really want because I want this person. You know, it's like it's like in a weird way you do have to practice this detachment from everything of just like you know if it works out. You know, I have to believe that the universe is conspiring for me. It has so far. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like I, we just went through all sure. of it. I mean that's a that's a huge string of luck at that point. You know, so. I just assume that that the universe is conspiring, you know, for me and for my best interests, you know, which could mean a hit TV series. It could mean, you know, a decent pilot that doesn't go anywhere, whatever that means, you know, so the to practice the detachment from not just the lines, but like who's going to play what part and, Mm -hmm. you know, which part's going to have to do this thing and what night you're going to be on or, you know, what the director wants to do. It's like, I don't know. It's like. Then you can create an environment where everyone's sort of um, operating at the best of their ability and doing what they love, and 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 then you're okay. I think then they, then you're all right. That's a good attitude. Yeah. Yeah. And then if if you know America hates you, <laughs> well, you won't read the reviews anyway. <laughs> I just don't read the reviews. Just <laughs> your mistake just, is being on Twitter. I do have to get off Twitter. They will let you know. They will let you know. Although oh, might have not been too bitchy. I had I really have only had one bitchy tweet directly at me, but see I don't I don't search for myself on Twitter, which a lot of people do. I I don't think you should do that. Why wouldn't you? Oh my god, it's terrible. Why would you do that? That's all I do. That's Wait, do, do you really? You look for yourself on Twitter? You just have there's a button for it. Oh, for the mentions. Yeah. Oh oh yeah yeah no I do that, but my mentions are always usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't have a lot of followers. <laughs> it's because nobody knows who I am. Well, forget it. Let's keep it that Been way on this podcast. <laughs> Well, I'm sure this is going to bring in just huge amounts of, <laughs> oh, my God. This It'll be mutually funny. beneficial. I hope so. Um, before we wrap up, uh, how do you feel about Steven Soderbergh? 
Oh, Steven. So this is the thing. So here's the thing about Steven Soderbergh. I feel the same way about Steven Soderbergh as I do about the guy I lost my virginity to, which is that, man, the first time was amazing. And then I just kept going back. <laughs> and it was just never, never the same. Idea. It was just never the same. And it was just continually being let down. And like every time, you know, but then there would be like moments where you were like, oh, no, wait, it might be OK. Like it might be good again. It might be like it was the first time. Wait, it's not. You know what I mean? Like, because for every like, you know, for every traffic, there's a bubble, you know, and for every limey, there's a girlfriend's experience. Oh, limey was great, though. No, limey's great. But then you sit through haywire and you're like, why did you do this to me? Like, why are you doing this to me? Why are you fucking up like my personal sexual fantasy, which is my Michael Fossbender beating up a woman? Like, how can you fuck <laughs> that up? Steven Soderbergh. But I love Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I love that movie so much. I love it. It, like, shaped me as a human being, that movie. I loved it so much. Sorry. No, it really, it just, I really, I fell in love with him. I was just like, <sighs> that whole monologue that she had about the first time she saw a penis, I, like, freaked out. I freaked out. And he's just been letting me down ever since. He's been letting me down. Like, every time I go, I just saw a side effect. I go every time, too. That's well, the saddest again, part. You can stop. No, I know. And it's the same thing with the guy I lost my virginity to. Everyone said, stop sleeping with him. Stop it. He doesn't love you. <laughs> He's just back. doing this because you're giving him free sex. You know? And I was like, no, I think there's something between us. And that's, what's, that's what continues to happen with Soderbergh and I. I'm like, no, no, no. I feel like... I feel like I feel like he understands me. And then you sit through side effects and you're like, you've got to be fucking kidding me, Soderbergh. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> no, thank you so much. This is really fun. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well done. Yeah, you didn't know that I was really going to talk that much. No. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.